Gia, Slim Thugger, Boss Hog, Gow Laws, Jim Johnson, huh. representing this Texas, man. You're listening man. to The Weekly Brew. Welcome to the Weekly Brew, your source for political, social, and sports commentary brewed up in an hour or less. I'm Austin Stan, and I'm joined this week by Kevin Cook and Zach Taylor. Jeremy Paxton is somewhere else in the world this week and is not podcasting with us. With that being said, it's Three's Company on episode 18. Zach, Kevin, how was the past week? Yeah, doing great. Good weekend. Uh, good winter weekend. No snow, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good weekend. That was kind of awkward. We can cut that. <laughs> we should not cut that though we should definitely leave that <laughs> with you going we need to cut that if you can't handle small talk man that's just that's that's a terrible place to be uh how how do you think that uh that i'm doing today austin we, we've talked a little bit how, how do you think i'm feeling i think you're probably gloating and the reason for this is for those of you that don't know we record on sunday afternoon and for those of you that live in a box and do not follow kevin on twitter or any social media platform, the University of Houston Cougars won the AAC championship on Saturday. And as of about an hour ago, it was just announced that the Cougs will play Florida State in the Peach Bowl. So I'm guessing you're a little bit excited. I am thrilled. First of all, that's at K Michael Cook, as in Kevin Michael Cook, my name. So do give me a follow. Uh, I'm worth it, particularly if you like things like sports and humor. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a great day for me. I was at the game. I actually got to cover the game for uh, HCN. And you guys can read my stuff at yourhoustonnews.com. Just search for Kevin Cook. And uh, I got to cover the game. Uh, I got to see Tom Herman up close and uh, ask him some questions about the team. Um, and I got to say, every kid on this team was live in talking about the culture talking about what Herman brought and so it is a thrill to have that guy locked up through 2020 not have to lose in the way we lost Bryles to you guys or someone to and m and uh, and yeah going to the Peach Bowl which um you know is just tentative I uh, I am seeking a credential I may be at that game I may not be we'll see how that works out but uh, that was probably the biggest game I've covered in my career um, at the AAC championship game and the team uh, my alma mater happened to win it so it's been a brilliant week for me and then to top it off I went to the Rockets game and Immediately after turning in my article, and the Rockets beat the Kings as well, and I love uh, Rondo and uh, Demarcus Cousins, two of my favorite players to watch. So it was a it was a brilliant day yesterday, and I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And, and Zach, unfortunately for me, I was at the Baylor Texas game on Saturday. Saw our Bears lose when playing a wide receiver at quarterback and saw Baylor fall from a potential Sugar Bowl berth to a Russell Athletic Bowl berth. And uh, I'm kind of tempted to book a flight to Orlando. Flights are dirt cheap. But Zach, I I mean, before we move on to the the meat of the podcast, are you as heartbroken as I am right now? Yeah, I I guess I am. I'm not overly surprised. Um, I mean, not as heartbroken as what I think I, I would have been, you know, after losing you know, the third string quarterback, uh, you know, pretty early on in the game. It's just, it just seems to be about the way that things have gone this year. The last four or five weeks, it's just been Murphy's law for Baylor's offense. Um, anything on those lines, it is disappointing to see the, uh, the sugar bowl, uh, kind of lose out from going to, to being one of the nation's top, top teams and a legitimate national championship contender to, 
to that, but um, it, it, I think we've got a really good shot at winning a bowl game, and I think as far as the long-term uh, incentives for our program goes, we, we really need to win a bowl game considering how that we've finished the last two years, so um, the, the more likely of a chance that we have winning a bowl game, I'm all in favor of that, and you know, it's unfortunate the way things ended uh, with Texas, um, but uh, you know that, that happens, and, and we almost pulled off a pretty incredible win um, running a, an offense from the 1920s, so I'll, I'll take the, the small victories wherever we can. Just to kind of appease our listeners a little bit, we're not going to spend all day talking about college football. We've got a great interview with James Layton from the Houston Rockets podcast coming up. We will talk a little bit more about college football as we get closer to the start of the bowl season. But uh, before we actually dive into things, just want to remind our listeners about our sponsor, We Desserts. You can find them at 3411 Kirby here in Houston. You can check them out on Friday and Saturday for beignet days. And our listeners also receive 10% off of their purchase every day of the week and uh, Kevin if you can tell us how they can find us on social media find us or find uh, we desserts because we're both there and we're both active and actually we does a great job of sharing our stuff as well so I'm certainly happy to have them aboard as sponsoring us but uh, we are uh, basically weekly brewcasts where you can find us everywhere so facebook.com slash weekly brewcast we post a lot of our uh, links humorous stuff Um, certainly you want to follow us on there we're going for uh, likes we are trying to build up our Facebook presence we would love to have you be a part of that that's probably the easiest way to interact with us you can also find us on Twitter um, at weekly brew Brewcast, Instagram at Weekly Brewcast. We have a Gmail, so you can email us with your questions, concerns, whatever. Uh, the Weekly Brew Podcast at gmail.com, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, certainly we encourage any interaction uh, with any of those. And we actually have established a presence on Reddit recently. And I am, um, you know, I, I, if we have some Reddit listeners this week, then we're grateful to have you. Uh, that's kind of a new forum for us, and we're uh, exploring it. And so happy to have you aboard if you happen to be here this week. Fans, we definitely thank you for listening to the Weekly Brew Podcast each week, making it a part of your lives. But as we mentioned, we have a packed show on deck, so it's time to sit back, grab a drink, listen, and be informed. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Kevin, we've talked about networking with like-minded podcasts, and we're putting our money where our mouth is this week. Now joining us on the Weekly Brew from California is James Layton, co-host of the Houston Rocks It podcast, which focuses on covering, you guessed it, Clutch City and the Houston Rockets. James, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. I have to say, I don't know who James Layton is. I'm familiar only with Jay Leasy, so this is news to me. Jay Leasy, welcome aboard, man. We're big f- fans Thank of the you. podcast, and we certainly enjoy listening to it. And we've uh, we've recommended it before here as well. We hope our listeners uh, will check well, you guys you out. But, uh, so what's going on in your world? Well, it's a beautiful day here in Los Angeles. I'm uh, sitting by my desk, uh, enjoying... Uh, about to talk some Rockets basketball with you guys. We understand that you're taking the Weekly Brew seriously and you have a drink with you. Tell us what you're drinking right now. I'm drinking an Americano from uh, an espresso machine. I am brewed up and uh, I, I can't wait. I'm ready to go, guys. Usually it's a beer in my hand or maybe another substance that is medically legal in California. <laughs> but right now it's just me and the coffee. Well, I appreciate you joining the show. And I guess before we get started... Tell us about Houston Rocks. What is it? We started this podcast about, we actually started it right when the playoffs started last season. And basically, uh, me, I live in LA and I work in the entertainment industry. And I've got a couple friends who are also from Houston who um, also work in the entertainment industry. And we kind of, we, some of us know each other from Houston. Some have met out here. And we used to just kind of get together all the time and watch Rockets games. And uh, we would just, try and meet up for all of them, at least have a group 
texts going throughout the season and we would talk so much trash and so much banter between each other and some of my guys are really funny and it just got to this point where we would stay late after bars and just talk and talk about the Rockets and uh, we'd compare them to things, make these ridiculous analogies and it was really fun and we kind of thought, well look, this is a decent idea, we all work in entertainment. Our producer, Scott, he works at Warner Brothers, he's a director and he's really savvy with tech and stuff and um, I'm a writer myself and we, we were just like, we can do this. So... We just kind of started recording, and um, we started last season. We actually started during the playoffs, and it was kind of intense because we were doing so well. We just had to keep it alive, and we were actually getting uh, a great response from listeners. So we were doing a, a podcast after every playoff game, and uh, it became a lot. But now we're back for season two. Uh, for this season, we're doing it once a week. Um, we release them on Thursday, and uh, it's just kind of like unfiltered fan uh, experience where we're very passionate. We swear. We we listen to rap music. We talk about our favorite team, and we have a lot of fun doing it. I will say that I certainly enjoy the swearing. I don't know if you guys are longtime listeners here, but you're probably very aware that I am profane, uh, but not on this show uh, because Austin Statton's rules that we don't swear. So that's <laughs> I do feel like you do kind of let to uh, let it all out on your show, and that's that's always enjoyable. Um, that's something that's missing in my life at the moment, which we kind of talked about doing maybe like a home and away kind of a guest spot. So maybe uh, maybe I'll get the chance to go on there and, and air it all out. But uh, Yeah, we'd love to have you guys on the show for sure. I definitely think that will happen very soon. So I'm curious, being podcasters... You can let it all out, Kevin. We... Well, yeah, no, you don't want me to let it all out. I'll let a moderate amount out, and that'll be plenty for your listeners. But, uh, but we, okay, so podcasting, why is it better than radio? Because that's something people compare it to a lot. People listen to radio. People listen to podcasts too, but not in the same numbers. But I, I think that podcasts are unequivocally better for a number of reasons. I get the feeling you feel the same way. Why is that? It is radio. It's the modern radio. It's a better way to deliver and to uh, enjoy radio-style content. I mean, there's not much difference between some of the most popular podcasts out there and some of like the biggest radio shows back in the 50s and 40s and stuff like that. Uh, but I think it's the availability. I think uh, you how on-demand it is and how easily accessible it is that you can just kind of pick your show, listen to it whenever you can. And music's great. Everyone loves listening to music. But sometimes you also want to listen to um, something more, maybe story or talk or about an interest. And I know what we found, which has been an awesome thing um, for us in our experience podcasting, is you know we've got a super specific podcast, super genre specific. We're Houston Rockets fans who are are younger and a little edgier and kind of a little R-rated, and um, you know that kind of wipes out a lot of people immediately from our you know uh, available listeners. But the great side of that is we connect with a very specific uh, demographic. And they seem to respond to us a lot, and they seem to really enjoy what we're doing, and we're doing the show for them. So for for us, who have a very genre-specific podcast, um, it, it's awesome because um, we're not for everyone, and we're fine with that. And uh, we're excited for the listeners who enjoy us and who want to hear us, and we want to make you know that kind of specific show for them. And on a mainstream kind of radio or something, you just can't do that. Digging a little bit deeper into the Rockets, uh, you know, they've kind of struggled a little bit this season off to a 10 and 11 start, currently sitting at eighth place in the Western Conference. What's going on this season? Well, you know, I think first off, I think it's I'm knocking on wood as we speak. I think it's turning around. I'm always kind of the positive um, voice on our, our podcast. And I do. I think it's turning around. Here's the thing. We had an amazing postseason last season and we 
I don't know. I still don't know how we did it. I'm still trying to figure it out. And it was thrilling and awesome. And we kind of punched above our weight a little bit. And some guys who don't usually shoot like that just went insane. And it was awesome. But that's that wasn't the result of a well-disciplined, uh, strategic basketball team. That was kind of like guys playing their hearts out and just letting it all hang out. And I think what's catching up to us now is, I mean, I, I think Kevin McHale being fired was a little bit of a scapegoat, but I don't think he was the, he's the right guy for the job. And I don't think uh, that excuses the lack of effort we've seen from players, especially defensively. But during that playoff run, I mean, I never saw him call plays. I, uh, it just seemed to walk around in a crotchety walk and yell, and, and guys loved that, but it just didn't seem like it was a foundation for um, a strong franchise with a really strong coach or leader. So I, I think this season it was kind of apparent that things hadn't, without the magic and the adrenaline of the playoff run, we, we kind of looked at ourselves and realized ah, we need we need to make a change. And so I think uh, Mikel firing was a little... A little harsh, and I actually really liked him, but um, I think it was necessary, and it was more of a change in attitude, and a change, like a new a new start. And uh, so, like I said, hopefully it's turning around. We got Demo coming back. We've strung a couple wins together. Um, so we'll see. You know, I was fortunate enough to go and cover uh, a couple of Rockets games this season for uh, HCN, my employer. And uh, so I did get to sit through some Mikhail press conferences. And I got to say, I like the guy. Uh, he seemed likable. Everybody enjoyed him. He was a player coach. And that sort of, I think, might have been what got him into trouble is that he had that reputation of having a long leash, uh, sort of letting these guys be themselves, you know, figure it out on the court. He's not a guy who's going to draw up a play out of a timeout that's going to get you a basket necessarily. I think he's more of kind of a mentor motivator, and they weren't motivated. So his tenure came to an end. So now we have J.B. Bickerstaff, who I know very little about. And I know his father, Bernie Bickerstaff. But, um, you know, I haven't seen it. It does appear to be turning around a little bit. I still see effort issues sometimes. Do you think that Bickerstaff is going to be the solution for the rest of the year? Or do you think we might see another coach come in? And if so, uh, who, who would you like to see at the helm? First of all, I thought they were going to hire someone immediately. When, that, when I heard the news he was, Mikhail was fired, I thought only, only way Les Alexander and Daryl Morey would make a, a really strong kind of uh, decision like that in the very beginning of the season was if they had a replacement. And when that didn't happen, I was like, wait, what? Why are, why are we hearing about who's interviewing, who's coming to Houston, you know? And then it kind of became clear that uh, Bickerstaff was going to get a kind of shot at it. And to be honest, at first I wasn't too too happy with that or or excited about that. And I think I was kind of judging him unfairly because I didn't know too much about him. But, um, you know, he's grown on me. He's um, He seems like – I like how he's changing up the rotation. He's kind of letting players play who maybe weren't getting minutes before. And um, I, I think he, he was like our defensive kind of minded coach as an assistant, which I think we need to work on, but that's great. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see what he can do and give him a chance. I'm not convinced yet that he's the uh, answer. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be a pessimist. And I don't want to, you know, judge this guy before he's had a, a shot at the um, the job. But if someone were to come in, I would look to something. I mean, Mark Jackson, I don't really agree with his uh, personal beliefs. On certain issues, he's a little bit of like a homophobe and a, a kind of a Bible basher. But, uh, I mean, I think he's a great coach. I mean, I think he's responsible for this Warriors team that we're seeing do so well. And he's he's not only a 
motivator that Mikhail was, he's a disciplinarian and uh, very strategic. So, and I think he would whoop Harden and Howard and some of the guys into shape and make this a well-oiled machine. So I wouldn't say no to him. Uh, Thibodeau is also another name. I thought Chicago were a little brash letting him go. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But look, for now, I'm, I'm happy with JB. I want to give him a shot, see what, see what he can do. Speaking of Jackson, how awkward was it last year watching him in the playoffs cover the Warriors You know, in, in their run? I mean, wasn't that a little awkward? Oh, my God. I, I can't believe he wanted to do that. It kind of, I don't know. I, credit to the guy. I, I wouldn't have done that. i have been like, no way, guys. Find someone else. That's my team. But, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's proof. Luke Walton's coaching them right now. I mean, anyone, I could coach. I could coach them right now. I could coach the Warriors right now. Right. So it's just plug and play, essentially. I will say those two guys you mentioned, uh, I would want absolutely nothing to do with because I agree with you on Mark Jackson. Yeah, because I don't want him motivating Harden not to take pull-up threes by telling him he's going to go to hell. Uh, and I certainly... And not interested in having our superstars driven into the ground. I actually like the policy we have with Dwight Howard at the moment of kind of keeping him out of back-to-back situations. But uh, JVG, Jeff Van Gundy, that's a name that I've heard tossed around. Does anyone know if he has any interest in coming back to coach? Because he is, I mean, he's a, he's a favorite personality of mine anyway. I loved him when he was the coach here, and I would love to see him back. But I don't even know if that's a real possibility. He is a spirit animal of mine. I mean, I love <laughs> that guy. I He's a... A guru figure to me. I mean, I think his... I loved him when he was our coach, and I fell even more in love with him when he started announcing. Because I think he's just smart. He gets it. And he's a he's practical. He understands the, you know, kind of crazy situations that happen in the NBA and how things just don't go your way sometimes, and you just got to push through. And he's a great coach. I, I, my concern would be, just projecting, would be like, would he have an issue coaching Dwight after his brother did? Um, I know they didn't really end on great terms, but oh man, I would love to see him come come back to Houston as our head coach. Speaking of the current Rockets, James Harden, you know, I know he's averaging 29.3 points a game. You know, he's averaging just under seven dimes a game, but it seems like he's almost regressed defensively this season. I mean, last year he kind of stepped up to the plate, was, you know, that MVP caliber athlete. But this year, it's it's almost like a lackadaisical effort on the defensive end. I mean, what what can he do to step up his game? I mean, I feel that he's the the you know the piece that keeps the Rockets going. The easy answer is it's effort. He just needs to you know put more effort on the on the court, especially on the defense. But dude, the guy's playing like forty minutes a game, and he's responsible for almost our entire offense. Uh, on a good game, it's not just him, but you know, I want Harden to be. A world-class like top 10 player um, and he needs to step up his defense to do that he just can't enter that conversation without it but at the same time you know you got players like Carmelo who hasn't played defense since Syracuse and you know he's he's doing great and he'll still make it onto any team of five because of his offense is just incredible so I think it's a balance of of expectations I mean I want him to become this great Kobe style defender but if that's not what he's going to do, just just the effort, I think, is important. And I think, honestly, if we can release the burden on offense and allow find other ways to score, you know, maybe he'll have uh, really no excuse not to put the effort on on defense. How much stock do you put in his 
personal life and his relationship with Khloe Kardashian, sort of uh, seeking the A-list lifestyle. A lot of people talk about that. Uh, I have my own thoughts and opinions on it, but I mean, do you think that has an impact on the court? Because it seems like this season we've seen less focus and less effort, and he's a guy that really needs to be focused and needs to put forth effort. I try to pretend like that's not real, like he's that those women don't exist and that it's some kind of ploy to... Uh, I, I don't know. But the reality is, yeah, I mean, the guy likes to go out. He likes the limelight. Um, and you're right. He needs to be disciplined. And um, he needs, like, a mentory type figure like a Pat Riley or a Phil Jackson who can, you know, show him what it takes to be to, to elevate his game to the next level. Uh, I do, however, enjoy the uh, pictures of him at the strip club that seem to f- surface from time to time. Uh, I think they're quite hilarious, and uh, if you haven't Googled that, uh, there's a bunch of great, great candid snaps of James at the strip club that are definitely worth your time checking out. <laughs> it's got to have an effect. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm some sort of puritanical like moral squad. It's not even a moral thing. I don't really care from an ethical or moral standpoint, but it seems to have an impact on the court, and there's no way I can know that for sure, but uh, it, it does break my heart. And hey, can't, can't you see that woman is poison? Can't you see, James? Look what happened to Lamar. I think he's gained a little weight, or at least at the beginning of the season. I, I don't think his conditioning is, is nearly as good as it was last year, too. So, I don't know. Yeah, I would like to see him a little more focused. All right, so we've got James Layton again from Houston Rocks at Podcast joining us on the Weekly Brew. Uh, you know, Kevin had some, you know, interesting comments this morning. We were actually texting, uh, trying to decide what music we were going to use to introduce the show today. And, uh, you know, we actually settled on uh, Slim Thug. Uh, but Kevin just, Kevin has no clue when it comes to rap music. I mean, I've heard, I've, I know, I think if I hear a song, I can tell it's rap because there's no actual music in it. It's just sort of like rhythmic chanting. Um, and it does seem to be popular with a with a particular portion of the population. Um, you know, it's it's city centers, um, urban. But I'm not really familiar with them. People always talk about, it like, I should know who these people are. So, I mean, you gave me an example earlier, Austin. You told me to Google, uh, I, I believe you called him Slim Thug. Is that right? I don't know why anyone would call himself a thug. That seems ridiculous. Also, he's not particularly slender, and he's also not so large that it's a funny nickname, like when you call a huge guy tiny. So I'm not sure where Slim Thug comes from. But... Apparently, he's affiliated with Boss Hog Outlaws, uh, which doesn't sound like a reputable outfit at all. And his Twitter handle is at HogLife101. So this all this all seems very. I don't I don't know if I agree with any of it, honestly. What you got to understand is what Houston is is known for is not only incredible uh, basketball, Clutch City. It's also home of of Screwston rap, of chopped and screwed music, which is. One of my favorite cultural uh, parts of Houston. I, I love the the whole style, and it's it kind of put Houston on the map uh, in the music industry, especially in the 90s. Well, I guess the bigger blow-up was in the mid-2000s. Uh, um, but, you know, you got to go back to the classics. You got to go back to DJ Screw, who developed this whole new technique of chopped and screwed, where basically thanks to the... Uh, substance lean where he was kind of sitting sideways as he they would say he would sh- slow down this music and chop it up kind of re- repeating things on the turntable and it's really cool it's a really different way of music of hearing rap and um so you gotta start with dj screw he screwston he is you know 
the patron saint of, of Houston rap. And then from there, to me, you got to check out Bum B, UGK in general, Fat Pat, Zero, Trey, Pimp C, Big Mo. I mean, the list goes on. Little Flip. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a wealth of, of fun and uh, uh, joyous times diving into the Houston rap scene. And honestly, I, if you you won't be disappointed. And Slim Thug, I like Slim Thug. He's fine, but he's not. He, you know, he's a newer uh, rapper who's doing well. And I do like him. I think his album Already Platinum was really great. But um, uh, you gotta go back to the classics to really appreciate um, this wonderful genre. And um, I love it, man. You gotta be sc- screwed up in your slab, slow loud and banging. You know, to some some trill trill OGs. Kevin, if you want more information. If you want more information, uh, contact uh, Mike Jones at uh, 281-330-8004. I'll be sure to uh, fill you in on the rap scene. That's absolutely correct. Well done, Austin. That's a that's a real number. That's a that's a joke. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you're making one just from the tone of your voice. So, uh, again, Houston Rocks, we don't need to reset it because it's a freaking podcast, not a live radio segment where people are kind of tuning in. But uh, presumably, if you're at this point, you've listened. But again, Houston Rocks, you guys should listen to. It's a great podcast. Uh, you guys do some really interesting, entertaining things, and we sort of uh, wanted to copy, or not copy, but pay homage to and kind of do some of those interesting things with you while you're here. So I um, obviously, there's a big difference between last season and this season. So I sort of uh, imagined uh, you know, the first season as a movie, right? A movie with a full storyline. And then we're kind of in the middle of the second movie in a sequel. So, so if the Rocket season, last season, this season was uh, a movie in a sequel, what would it be? And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, have you guys ever seen American Psycho? One of my favorite movies of all time. I wouldn't necessarily say best movie of all time, but one of my favorite movies of all time. It's very quotable, business card scene, the whole thing. Lots of memorable moments from it. Great performance by Christian Bale, who would be our James Harden in this scenario. Um, and so that's that was last season. Great in its own right. Um, terrific. Like Belongs in the upper echelon of movies. Uh, this season, uh, have you guys ever heard of American Psycho 2? Hadn't, actually. <laughs> yeah, so there's my point exactly. American Psycho 2, All-American Girl, they cast uh, a new... Patrick Bateman-like character who's a woman. She holds a sickle on the straight-to-video box that you would have found in Blockbusters years ago. Now you can find it on Netflix. It's real. It's got a Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating of 11%. Um, so it is it is laughably bad. And so you have a drop-off, which, first of all, American Psycho has 67%. That's way too low, Rotten Tomatoes people. You guys are you guys need to fix that. It should be way higher. But yeah, so a drop-off of 67 to 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's the kind of season I feel like they're having this year. It's American Psycho, American Psycho 2. What do you guys think? Well, I'm always the um, positive uh, voice on our podcast, and I'm going to continue that trend because I think this season has yet to be salvaged because it's it's coming. Redemption is coming, and we're, I think we're already on the road to redemption. So my movie for... So I think last season was Terminator 1, and right now we're watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day because this team's getting judged, and we've also got a lot harder opponents. The T-1000, you know, the liquid metal guy. I mean, that that's a much tough competition, especially with the West right now. But as Arnold Schwarzenegger always did, we shall prevail. And we will be back. And don't you worry, Houston Rockets fans. We're coming back, baby. We're making a comeback right now. Terminator 2, great movie. Some say even better than the first. I like the positivity there. And it works on a lot of levels, too. That was a good job with that one. I feel feel worse about mine now. <laughs> so I had actually written down Caddyshack, uh, too. But I'll go ahead and scratch that. Uh, you know, I, I, I would go with The Hangover, too. Um, you know, just the first, the first one was, you know... I, 
kind of humorous, a little bit different. Uh, it did really well at the box office. The second one, you know, had some funny moments, but overall, I think it was generally disappointing. Uh, you know, the comedy wasn't quite up to the same level. I believe like a few few writers left the show or left the uh, left, I guess, the second filming of that. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at right now with the Rockets. I mean, granted, they're just a game under 500 right now. I think they're still a little bit disappointing. I think a lot of folks predicted them, especially Kevin earlier on uh, in an earlier podcast predicted them to win the Western Conference. So I think they're just a little bit disappointing right now. But, you know, maybe Judgment 2, maybe the Judgment Day, Terminator 2, maybe they'll be back. We'll see. I want to correct the record on that. If you recall, we were talking about betting. I said if I had to put money on I put money on the Warriors because I'm not stupid. But I did I did pick with my heart. I think the Rockets had the talent to make it to the finals. I just, uh, you know, it depends on whether they're able to put it together and, and whether what's between their ears is right. And so far this season, I haven't really seen that. But, uh, Layden, I do appreciate your optimism uh, always. And uh, and you kind of talk me off the ledge here a little bit. That's what I'm here for, man. Being a Rockets fan in general is a very um, trepidatious thing. Only the strong can actually be a fan of this team. The weak don't survive. And, you know, they, they put you through the runner. But when they pull through and have some incredible moments, it's all worth it. And you just got to stick with them. Stick with Rockets. Stick with H-Town. We're Clutch City, baby. We're not going anywhere. We're about to win the NBA championship this year. You heard it here first. I like the optimism and kind of on that note, we had discussed, you know, kind of our favorite Rockets memories. Uh, I guess, James, what would you say is your favorite Rockets memory? Fortunately, I actually moved to Houston um, in the late 90s from Europe and I miss Clutch City. But as soon as I adopted the Rockets as my favorite team when I was about 13 or 14, um, I I did all my research and, and I watched all the tapes uh, the VHS tapes of, of winning with Clyde and Hakeem, but I can't really claim that because I wasn't really watching, it was kind of secondhand watching that. So uh, one that springs to mind was in 2008 when we got out of the first round for the first time in a decade. T-Mac was out, Yao was leading the team, and it was against the Lakers in the second round, and Kobe and Yao knocked knees, and Yao went down. And my heart sank, and I think the whole of Houston's heart collectively sunk together, like the Titanic. We were just like, no, we can't lose him too. And they took him to the locker room, and their coaches and doctors were helping him down the hallway. And then Yao stops, and he's like, no, I want to go back. And the doctor's like, no, you can't go back, Yao. You can't go back. And he's like, I'm going back. And he kind of leans against the wall, and he kind of stomps his leg to be like, I'm good, I'm good. Comes back in the game. He hits a long two right right as soon as he comes back in. We end up winning the game. Thanks to the champion that is is and was Yao Ming. I love Yao Ming. I miss him. Um, we did actually lose that series, and he actually did go down in game three and was injured for the entire next season. But in the moment... Yao coming back was one of my favorite moments. Well, actually, uh, his running mate, Tracy McGrady, of course, we had both of them here at the same time. Uh, They rarely played together, sadly. But uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. Tracy McGrady scored 13 points in 33 seconds against uh, in-state rival, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, This is at home, too, on their home court. Uh, I wish I could say I was there. I was not there that game. We were not season ticket holders at that point in time. But uh, we were certainly watching, my father and I. And uh, it was, I mean, it's one of the most incredible performances. You talk about Reggie Miller had 
has, I guess it was nine points in, in eight seconds or whatever it was. Uh, that's that's a little bit different. This one, 13 points. It required him to hit a three-pointer and get fouled for a four-point play to steal an inbounds pass, come down the floor. And if you look at the score, he actually takes a three when a two would have tied the game. He could have taken it to the rack. There's no defenders in front of him. He could have tied up the game with a dunk. Instead, he pulls up from three and ice the game right there. And it's just one of the most, I mean, every time I watch it, and I got to be honest, I watch it frequently. It's like uh, it's like basketball pornography for me. I watch it a lot. And it is really just, uh, it, it puts chills all over me just to watch him every time he pulls up that final three and sinks it. And just the reaction from Trace McGrady, who, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, he probably is my favorite uh, player of all time. I watched him a lot. I remember how um, uh, Sweet Escape, that song by Gwen Stefani, he used to really love that song for some reason. He used to really ball when it came on in the stadium. And so I just have a lot of memories, and that that's like the highlight of my Tracy McGrady memories was that, which is, you know, an unparalleled performance in basketball, I think. Yeah, that was a phenomenal moment, especially that it happened against the Spurs. I mean, yeah, anytime you do that against an in-state rival, it's even more sweeter. I have a, a, a screen in my bedroom that is playing that 33 seconds on repeat and will remain doing that for the rest of my life, wherever I am. Um, that Nothing pumps me up more than that moment. It's unbelievable. Jay Leasy, uh, a.k.a. James Layton, it was a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to listen to your podcast, too. Houston rocks it. it is, uh, it's terrific. It's a little bit different than what we do. We're not afraid to refer people to it. Everybody that listens to us should be listening to Houston rocks it if they're Rockets fans. But uh, tell our listeners how they can find you and how they can find the podcast. Well, thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure being on your show. Um, if you're interested in the podcast, you could download us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, a bunch of other podcast apps. Uh, and we're at Houston Rocks it on Twitter, and we're um, on Facebook at slash Houston Rocks it. And um, yeah, we love our fans, and we love engaging with our fans. We get a lot of questions from our fans, and uh, what's been really cool for us is we try and create like um, you know we don't live in Houston, which is uh, a shame because you don't kind of get the daily. Um, media culture kind of fanfare around Houston teams, you kind of have to seek it out a little bit more. Um, and that's why we kind of initially came together. And I think we, we try and be a podcast not only for Houston fans, uh, Houston Rockets fans in Houston, but also worldwide. And because um, they can kind of hear that camaraderie. And if they don't get to have that at their workplace or, um, you know, on the news, wherever they live. Um, so that's what's been great for us. We've got a lot of awesome listeners in Australia, New Zealand, Lithuania, Middle East, all over the world, which has been super encouraging. And we love um, interacting with them. So if you're a fan of the show and if you decide to start listening to us, um, we'd love for you guys to reach out on their Twitter, Facebook, whatever's easier for you guys. And um, uh, and I hope to have, if not both, at least one of you guys on the show very soon. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to make sure that uh, w- one of us gets on. But really appreciate you for joining us on the Weekly Brew again, James Layton, Houston Rocks It Podcast. And before we let you go, do you have a personal Twitter account that people can follow you on? It's at J underscore Leazy. I joined Twitter very early in like uh, 2006 or seven when it kind of first came out and I didn't really know what it was. And I, I got that handle and I've kind of been um, accused of kind of forcing nicknames on people uh, for myself throughout the years um and it kind of turns out when you kind of advocate for your own nickname people tend to dislike that and they think it's kind of um egocentric or just weird so but that one i kind of forced on people and it's kind of stuck so that's the one that stayed so yeah at j underscore lazy on twitter 
find him on Twitter at J underscore lazy. And we appreciate you for joining us on the weekly brew. Have a good one out there in California. Thanks so much, guys. Go Rockets. Again, thanks to James Layton from the Houston Rockset podcast for joining us on this week's episode of the Weekly Brew podcast. Kevin, what did you think about James's conversation? I thought it was a little bit different than anything we've had so far. Never heard of this guy, James, but Jay Leasy uh, was entertaining, articulate, awesome, as always. Uh, love the guy. Uh, of course, you know, we go way back, uh, Jay Leasy and I do, and it's a pleasure to talk to him again and a pleasure to be a witness to the podcasting they're doing over there at Houston Rockset. It's it's, uh, it's really enjoyable. I certainly recommend that our listeners check it out and uh, and get involved with them as well. So we are, we're glad to be a part of their lives and have them be a part of ours. And uh, always uh, welcome back, Jay Leasy. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. So as we move into December of 2015, it was actually a remarkable year when it comes to sports and kind of going over superlatives. The natural thing is to look at the teams of the year, the players of the year. But what I want to know from you guys, who is your athlete of the year? And why, Zach? Who do you have? I was I was gonna go with uh, you know Jordan Spieth, I guess. Told you, Kevin, didn't I tell you? <laughs> you nailed it! You <laughs> nailed it! Oh my god! <laughs> oh man, leave that in. Leave that in because <laughs> we so called that ahead of time. Please, please tell me the conversation that took place before that. It took place before it, and I told Kevin because we were just talking on the line. Where we I was like, "So who do you have?" And uh, I told him that I had two people down. And I said. Jordan Spieth was one of them, but I said, I'm confident that Zach's going to pick Spieth, so I've <laughs> nice. got somebody else. Okay. I think he's done a lot this year. He took the uh, the golf uh, world by storm. He captivated a whole host of um, people who've kind of lost interest and fallen out since the uh, Tiger Woods controversy and everything that kind of happened uh, to that. And not only that, but is is young, much like Tiger Woods, and has brought back some of the, the game's young fans um, and you know, it was really had a really strong shot there for uh, a Grand Slam for the first time uh, a Grand Slam since Bobby Jones, and the, the the guy is I think just epitomizes what Sportsman of the Year is meant to represent, and um, looks like he's bringing a bright future uh, back to the game of golf. For those of you that are not familiar with Jordan Spieth, uh, you know he was the second youngest golfer to win the Masters this year, and he was also the youngest golfer to win the U.S. Open. And while he fell just short of winning the Grand Slam. He's currently ranked a top golfer in the world, and he's had a remarkable season. I believe his earnings this year is so, I think it's somewhere north of $23 million. So, absolutely a remarkable year. Kevin, I know that you're not quite the golf person. What do you think about Spieth? Uh, well, I know Kobe made like $24.5 million this year, so I don't see why that's so impressive. But uh, he's a golfer, he golfs. Um, that's excellent for him. Uh, I'm underwhelmed, I guess would be my response. I'm familiar with Jordan Spieth. I've heard sound bites. He's actually sounds like a great guy, but, uh, I don't know what, what, what's, what's a big deal with golf. Honestly, a lot of people seem to play. A lot of people are into it. I used to get, let me see a, a nice way to put this. I used to imbibe some substances that would calm and soothe me, um, of an illicit nature, uh, of the smokable sort. And I would watch golf then. And that was about the only time that I could ever tolerate watching golf. So I don't understand what the big fuss is about golf in this country, but, uh, but you know, I'm supposed to be a sports writer, so maybe I should get into it. I'm just curious, Kev, have you ever played golf? Uh, yeah, oh, I, I've, I've attempted to, and it's very frustrating. It's a steep learning curve, so that may be part of why. If I were better at golf, then maybe I would have more of an appreciation for it. It just was so frustrating that, you know, I can't drive off the tee very well. I mean, I go to Top Golf, and I embarrass myself at Top Golf. So it's, it's maybe I have some residual bitterness from just being so bad at it. Well, we don't blame you, but there's still time for you to come around. I mean, golf's a sport that you can play when you're seven or you can play when you're 70. So plenty of time to get into golf, Kevin. And I'm sure you're going to love covering high school golf in the spring. I'm sure you're going to love it. 
Oh, that's right. I have to do that. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Well, I mean, oh no, it just sounds horrible. Okay. I'm, I'm stealing myself for it. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, since you've admitted to not being a fan of golf, who is your athlete of the year if it's not Jordan Spieth? Uh, this is a no-brainer to me. Uh, obviously, I wanted to um, – I don't think that women get enough credit for their athletic accomplishments particularly, and that's actually true in all walks of life, but especially in the field of sports and athletics, uh, women are typically not um, as lauded or heralded as the men are. And Carly Lloyd, uh, if you guys are familiar with her, has had uh, just an incredible year. Uh, she's the midfielder, plays for the Houston Dash actually here in town in the National Women's Soccer League, which I didn't realize – was a different league than the Women's Professional Soccer League. Apparently that went belly up a couple of years ago. So now it's been replaced by the National Women's Soccer League. And um, she also was on the U.S. Women's National Team that won the World Cup. Uh, she was awarded the silver boot. Um, she scored six goals, including an incredible hat trick in the first 16 minutes of the final against Japan. So she's the first um, Women's World Cup athlete to uh, score a hat trick in a final. And uh, only, I think, the second ever, or at least the second since like 1966 to score uh, either man or woman to score a hat trick in a World Cup final. So she's been doing things that we haven't seen ever or haven't seen in a long time and uh, and really kind of elevating that game, um, elevating women's athletics. Uh, she's been a great uh, diplomat uh, and uh, uh, ambassador for the game as well. And so I think that if I had to give an athlete of the year, it would definitely be to Carly Lloyd, who is very deserving of it. I think that's a pretty good choice. I remember when the U.S. was playing in the championship game for the World Cup uh, this year. I believe the game started around 6 o'clock, 6.15 on a local time. And I remember uh, Church, you know, got out at 6.15. And a few of us, we were going to go watch the game at a sports bar right afterward. And uh, it was no more than 5 to 10 minutes. And Lloyd had already scored, what, two or three goals at that point. And so it was already a, a blowout in the championship against Japan. But she's definitely a remarkable athlete and had quite the impressive year i would agree i think that's a, a pretty reasonable pick there she's she did a, a lot for u.s uh, soccer and uh seeing as how we performed was it was it london back in uh 20 uh when was the last world, women's world cup i would have been 2011 in germany just seeing how she was like the leader of the the team this year and just everything she's done for the program and I, I completely agree with you kev she's a remarkable athlete and and is certainly deserving of a vote just to give an idea of how spectacular that is can we drop in that audio from her third goal of the 16 minute hat trick she scored against japan absolutely let's go ahead and listen to it right now fantastic start by the usa lloyd with morgan streaking she's chipping the goalkeeper Brilliant stuff. So again, Carly Lloyd with a phenomenal championship and uh, 2015 a FIFA Women's World Cup final in Canada. Great choice for Athlete of the Year. And the person that I'm going to go with uh, might not be a household name now, but in September 2016, you will definitely hear this name. Her name's Simone Biles. She's 18 years old. She hails from Spring, Texas. 
And do you, either one of you guys know who she is right now? No, I don't. Well, she's arguably the most decorated gymnast of all time and uh, will be the gold medal favorite heading into the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. She's won three straight world all-around gymnastics titles, uh, which is quite competitive. Not only one for, you know, to be able to have that uh, feat here just as a U.S. athlete. I mean, U.S. gymnastics is so competitive. Uh, but to be able to do that on the world scale where so many countries focus on that, especially Russia, China, Japan, and to be able to be head and shoulders above every other athlete and to be able to compete at that high of a level for three straight years, winning the world championships is remarkable. And she will look for a four-peat next year, which is completely unprecedented in the sport of gymnastics. So if you don't know Simone Biles right now, she's a local product of Spring, Texas, just north of Houston. Follow her, watch her. She's going to be the face of Team USA in 2016. Do you think she practiced that Mucciano gym that went under and is now some sort of car place? Have you guys seen that thing? I don't think so. I think I I believe her parents own a gym or are affiliated with some sort of gym that is based in or around the Woodlands area. And then I know that she spends a lot of time training at the uh, Bella Caroli facility up there. I believe it's in Huntsville. Uh, so she she's definitely a remarkable athlete and hails from the north side of town. I will just I'd like to pause a moment and say uh, that without pre-coordinating our picks with each other, uh, we did have two out of three were women and one was predictably Jordan Spieth. So I think that we can pat ourselves on the back for uh, for doing a good job with that. I, I feel proud of us anyway. I think we're moving forward. We are a progressive podcast here at the Weekly Brew. Uh, speaking as a conservative, I'm not exactly comfortable with that title. But on on, an, on another note, actually, if you guys wouldn't mind uh, mind me sharing, um, I, I know that uh, I, I wanted to share uh, for a sportsman of the year, um, sort of like uh, for my own personal honorable mention um, that they, they aren't even on on the list. Uh, I got to bring this up, and I think on our first recording of the weekly brew, but I think it got cut due to time restraints and and things. But uh, it's the the Cleveland Indians. Um, and how they handled Mike Avilas this year, uh, they to, to me this is this is actually what Sportsman of the Year should be should really truly be for, um, and something like this. So like Mike Avilas, his four year old daughter got diagnosed with leukemia, uh, and they refused to trade Mike Avilas. They, they, there were several offers that came in for him towards the trade deadline, uh, and the, the Indians didn't have any sort of like a remarkable season or anything, as we know, they didn't even make the playoffs. And they could have very easily just set business as usual, gotten a trade for him, and see what they could have done for their future and use that opportunity. But but they chose to put um, just not even contend and it, it could, uh, to, to listen to those offers and and to just really respect uh, Mike Avilas and, and his family and what he was going through. Um, uh, for that, just so that he, they wouldn't separate him from his daughter and 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 his family going through that, and I just I think that is incredibly remarkable. And I'm just so proud of the Cleveland Indians for for doing that, and I just I felt like that was worth mentioning on this podcast. Yeah, great work by them. Kind of a kind of a regrettable name, though, don't you think? Yeah, of course, like the Washington professional football team, which I, you know, like my idol, Bill Simmons. I should stop calling him that now that I actually try to do the same thing that he does. But um, like Bill Simmons, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't refer to their names as defensive. And I feel the same way about Cleveland. Like, come on, co-opting that sort of the, the, the really terrible history that we have with, um, you know, American Indians is I get uncomfortable. Are you guys not uncomfortable with the team mascots being, uh, you know, the Indians or, or, or what have you, other more profane, less acceptable slurs even? To me, it's, it's, it's not derogatory. Uh, it's not, it's, I see it more of like a, as a sign of respect, um, you know, cho- choosing to honor and use them as like, Hey, we want to be proudly associated with this. Uh, in particular, the Indians, I, I don't see there being anything wrong with that. I think if you wanted to make a case, the Washington Redskins, you could possibly have an argument for, but even there, I don't. I don't see there being that 
any any issue there. I think uh, I think if you are going to take an issue with things like that, you should also take issues with things like uh, the New York Yankees and how the term Yankee was derived during the Revolutionary War by the British as a derogatory term towards the Patriots. Um, or, uh, you know, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I mean, it's the Fighting Irish. Isn't that sort of a... Uh, insulting term towards all of the Irish people. I mean, I think I think it's just selecting and choosing which things you want to be offended by. That's an interesting take. I, I, I could definitely see how many folks are offended by Redskins. I mean, I think that is strictly a derogatory term. And I, I, I do think that that name will be changed ultimately when the Redskins and coach or and owner Dan Snyder are trying to build a new stadium. I think there's a lot of politics in Washington. And I think that uh, they're going to force uh, you know, the Redskins to change their name if they do want a new stadium built inside the city limits. But I, I Zach, I kind of do see your point in terms of, uh, you know, say the Florida State Seminoles or, uh, you know, Chicago Blackhawks that are, you know, maybe paying a little bit more tribute to actual tribes. But, you know, I, I don't think the Redskins are paying tribute at all to any sort of Indian nation. I mean, that, I think that's like a taboo word, uh, you know, just like dropping a N-word. I mean, you wouldn't hear like a South Alabama N-word as a, uh, you know, a sports team. I think that has the same connotation uh, that it does for Indians, Native Americans, as the N-word does for African Americans. I, I, I kind of, I, I don't necessarily disagree, and I, I definitely understand that side of the argument. I think my issue is that um, several polls have been conducted over the last 20 years with this having been such a huge issue of the Native American. I mean, I think, I think if this is an issue, it needs to be an issue for Native Americans. And if I remember correctly, actually, the last Sports Illustrated poll that actually, uh, the, the, the polling data was of about 2,000 um individuals, 90% came back either in favor of the name Redskins or they didn't care. That's, I mean, 90% of the group that's supposed to be offended by it is not offended by it. So I really think that we should take a step back. I think this is more sort of liberal arrogance of telling Native Americans, this is what you, you should be offended by this. So we're going to tell you what you should and should not be offended by. I'm offended by it. I'm not speaking for anyone else. I'm offended by it. I know other people that are, and some of them are American Indians, some of them are not, but it's offensive, and it doesn't have anything to do with there being a specific group of people uh, raising an outcry. I don't, I don't need um, you know, a specific race or class of people on my side to say, hey, that's offensive, and I don't believe in it, and I don't support it. I, I, that's putting words in other people's mouths, I think, Zach, and that's a dangerous policy because it's, it's not what I'm getting at. It's offensive in a vacuum, I think. It's an offensive term. That's a fair point, and it's also very interesting how the Weekly Brew podcast, we can go from talking about Jordan Spieth, Simone Biles, Carly Lloyd, to somehow relating that to the Redskins and uh, mascot names and whether or not they are offensive. But that's what you get when you turn into the Weekly Brew podcast. Expect the unexpected. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Guys, it's all too common in the U.S., throughout the world. It seems like every week that we record, there is some sort of tragedy or terrorist event that goes on, whether it's inside our borders or outside our borders. And this week, that happened again in San Bernardino, California, as two groups of what the FBI are now investigating as a act of terrorism. Two individuals went into a clinic and shot 14 individuals in San Bernardino, California. quickly becoming uh, a dominant news story on all of the major networks and guys it seems like tragedy has struck again I'm, I'm curious i mean what are your initial reactions from the events of this past week i mean it's 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 scary it's it's full of a full of a lot of emotion i'm i'm really sad and and my heart and thoughts go out to the families uh in in california that were affected by this um it's it's just tragic to see another terrorist attack um take place in particular on our own soil this time uh and it's 
the, the world is becoming a much scary place um, very, very quickly. I think, uh, I think one of the things that I took note from this, and, and you know, I, I know we've kind of talked a lot about this stuff over the last few weeks with Paris, but um, just kind of the direction of the administration with regards to the threat of ISIS and uh, uh, Islamic terrorism is, or is the Islamic State, rather, in particular, is uh, just, you know, the day before the Paris attacks, um, President Obama came out saying that ISIS was contained, and then you had the Paris um, terrorism attack. And then just days before the uh, California shootings, um, President Obama came out and said that he was not worried about an ISIS or a Paris-like attack within the borders of the United States. And certainly what happened in California is not on the same level as what happened in Paris, um, but I believe it shows that it's certainly capable of happening. And coming just days after the president insinuated uh, that that actually wasn't possible. I, I think it's kind of decreasing both his credibility with uh, his own constituents as well as abroad as far as his handling and knowledge of the extent of how dangerous and severe and how imminent this threat really is. Um, so I, I really hope that uh, that he is able to learn from this and we're able to, to, to really just kind of address this with more of a, a serious as opposed to lackadaisical uh, approach. I want to kind of take the politicalization of this out of it just for a moment, but I think that one thing that is interesting about this certain situation is both of these two individuals that committed these atrocities had no prior criminal history. They weren't on any, uh, you know, government search list. They their names had not been flagged, and so it's just frightening to see that in the area in the era of social media that terrorist organizations such as uh, ISIS can you know captivate the minds of certain individuals and radicalize them and allow them to do something like this, you know, with, with have no, with having no former training or, uh, funding. I mean, it, it's just, it's frightening that these two individuals weren't on any government radar and they were able to commit these acts. So it, it makes you think, you know, if, if there are people out there that could commit such atrocities like this, I mean, we live in a country with more than 300 million people. How many other people are there out there that are like this or capable of doing acts such as this i don't see the connection to isis necessarily i mean that's what's talked about a lot obviously they posted to isis's social media but i could post to isis's social media if i wanted to uh, isis um you know didn't call them knights or soldiers as they typically do they called them supporters you know and obviously they were sympathizers um i don't believe that they were radicalized even i think that they were um I don't know, self-radicalized is a term, but they were, they sympathized with, I guess, what they perceived as ISIS's cause. But I mean, if you're going to attack Obama, you know, that's, that's technically correct. There wasn't an organized uh, attack or event like there was in Paris. This was, you know, an isolated couple uh, who went on a shooting rampage and that happens all the time. And usually when that happens, it's not Islamic uh, people. It's, it's, it's white people, you know, like that's, that's tends to be your isolated terrorist. Uh, you know, we just had a Planned Parenthood shooting we talked about last week. So that, I think that you're right. There's a, there's a world of difference between what happened in Paris and what happened here in San Bernardino. And I, the thing that had, they all have in common is guns. That's the, that's the unifying factor. And it's just, it's frightening to me um, how prevalent that is and how normal this is. I, I heard about the shooting and I, I, I believe you that you were sad and disheartened, Zach, but I got to say, I was just like tired. It's just, it's like, we hear so much about this and to see that happen again, um, there's kind of a burnout. And I just, somebody wrote an article about how this can't become the new normal. And that's really, really optimistic or idealistic. This is the new normal. I mean, until, until we do something, um, I'm not sure what that is that we can do. This really has become normalized. And I think it's something that we're becoming inured to. I completely agree with you, Kevin. I it, it saddens me to see because I even felt a little bit of that myself with this, you know, just kind of becoming a little numb 
to it with it in the new normal is kind of what I was going the, the phrase I, I would use it's it's very unfortunate I really hate that my stomach cringes even thinking of that of this becoming the new normal but um, uh, but I think we need to, to recognize the the state of of events in order to prevent this from becoming the new normal overall it's just a very sad situation that this uh, what the FBI is now investigating as an act of hair happened on US soil and I, I do think some action needs to be taken uh, here, whether it's, you know, policy or extra security. But, you know, I, I'm tired of having these stories come up on the news once every week or once every two weeks. I mean, it's just it's very disheartening to see, especially at the workday when you see Twitter. Um, you know, you see that first tweet come out about uh, a shooting and then just to follow that news story throughout the next few days. It's just disheartening and it's something that needs to stop. Uh, I'm not sure what the correct course of action is, but. Something does need to be ha- something does need to transpire in order to mitigate any risk here in the future. Closing time for the 18th episode of the weekly brewcast. We had a phenomenal show this week. Uh, we had James Layton join us from Houston Rocks at Podcast. We talked about our athletes of the year. We talked about whether or not certain mascot names are offensive, and we also discussed the tragic events that happened in San Bernardino, California this past week. But guys, I really enjoyed getting together this week and chatting. I know we're going to have uh, a fun episode planned for you next week, but at the same time, we also want to remind all of our listeners to follow us on social media. Again, you can find us at facebook.com slash weeklybrewcast, twitter.com at weeklybrewcast, and Instagram search for weeklybrewcast. And when it comes to iTunes, reviews, comments, that sort of thing, Kevin, tell the listeners about what they can do to make your week a little bit better. Well, you guys remember last week, there were like four or five new reviews. It was awesome. And I got to say, I am thrilled to jump into the new reviews this week. But there aren't any, so I'm really unhappy about that. So I, I thought that two weeks ago when we talked, you know, I expressed my disappointment sort of in a, a parental or maybe avuncular kind of way. Like, guys, you know, I want more from you. I expect more from you because we sit down and we put this podcast together and all you have to do is go review it on iTunes. It's very simple. You just click on the weekly brew. If you look, there says details, ratings and reviews. You go click on ratings and reviews. Leave us a five-star review and a little blurb telling us what you like, what we could do to improve, interact with us, tell us, um, you know, what impact we have on your life, um, if any. Uh, And we would love to hear that and love to read that back to you uh, on air. But there were no no reviews this week. And I have to say my life feels empty. Well, Kevin, at least we know that your Cougars are now going to the Peach Bowl. So we know that the poor reviews or lack of reviews this week actually kind of offset some of that. So we're hoping you're able to move forward as we get into this next week. Well, it's a very simple fix, guys. Just go just go review us on iTunes and I'll be, um, I'll be much less disappointed next week. We appreciate your commentary there. Uh, Zach, I mean, uh, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it. All the way from Fort Worth, Texas. We had, a, a, you know, Zach calling in from Fort Worth. We had uh, James Layton calling in from California. And again, we have listeners from all over the world this week. Uh, we had one from Germany this week. That's kind of cool. So we appreciate all of our listeners, whether they're in Texas, whether they're in California, whether they're any corner of the globe. We definitely appreciate you for giving us that hour listen each week but we want to make sure that you comment on our social media channels or follow us and subscribe on itunes leave us some positive feedback we could definitely use that and we would definitely appreciate that i definitely enjoyed this week's podcast and we hope you did as well for my co-hosts this week kevin cook and zach taylor i'm austin Staden, and we'll see you next week you've been listening to the weekly brew 